Welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane, again. Thank you for joining me. I get so excited when people download these podcasts and listen to them. I know a lot of people who listen to them at work, on the way to work. Some people I know just have them playing in the background over and over as they do housework um, or other things around um, around the home. Uh, however you're doing it, um, I'm just happy you are, and I hope you're gleaning a lot from this and getting some help, because as we say, in Evidence for Faith, we're an apologetics ministry. People often wonder, you know, what's this about? Um, apologetics means to defend, um, and what we're trying to do is defend the Word of God against skeptics and critics, and not just that, but also to help people understand it, and that's a, a major part of this entire ministry that we do for free. Now, the point is, a question that frequently comes up is, why are there so many translations if the Bible claims to be the Word of God? How come there's so many different versions of it? And that's what this series is all about. And today, we're in the 10th version of what we're going to be looking at. And this one is called The Message. The Message. Um, very popular. Oh, and this came out, it sold in just a short couple of months. It sold over 100,000 copies. Um, I wish my books would sell that fast. But the message is a very interesting translation, quite a history to this. So um, let's delve into this one. So as we get into this lesson, first of all, I want to, as we've been doing, I want to start off with Psalm 23. Now you're going to notice this is a little different than any of the other translations that we have talked about thus far. So this is Psalm 23 out of the message. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. The first thing you're probably going to notice out of that or this version is that it's very, very easy to read and easy to understand. It's written on a readability test that comes out to be grade four. So this is an elementary style Bible, and it was specifically uh, written on an, a very low reading level. So anybody, basically, who, who can read well can read this. Um, the, the thing is, I, I try not to call this a translation because this is not a translation, though I'm including it in here because a lot of people are confused about this. Uh, a guy by the name, he's a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor's name, um, Eugene H. Peterson is the person who put this together. He first did this in 1998. It's got an interesting history. Um, at his church, he was teaching a class on Galatians. And he noticed as he was um, reading out of his Bible, the book of Galatians, that his group who was sitting here listening, they were almost like half asleep, he said. They were just not into it, not finding the excitement that he found as he read this, as he's reading it, he was like, oh, it's, 
Why aren't these people as excited about the Word of God as I am? And he thought it had to do with the language of the Bible. So what he did is he decided to um, change it and to make a copy that would be more readable, more understandable, to put life into it in a way um, and, and, you know, try and make it interesting to catch their attention. Because he thought either people are just don't care about reading the Bible or people are, have heard it so many times they don't even listen anymore. So he said, I'm going to try and change this to a way that people will, all of a sudden, it'll perk their ears and they'll listen and be wanting to listen to this. Now, he did this back in the 1990s, and his first copy of this came out in 1998. Then in 2002, he, he published it. Um, again, and he put this thing out, and I think it sold over 100,000 copies in just the first couple of months. Then in 2018, he updated it again, uh, making a few little extra quirks and, and, and things to the, um, to the text itself. Now, what type of translation is this? <laughs> it is not a translation, period. It's just not. The message contains the doctrine of a single pastor. Um, it is a free paraphrase. That's what we call these things. They're called a free paraphrase, um, meaning a person has taken the Word of God and um, just maybe one or two sources and is sitting here and he's transcribing it and taking his total view on it and putting his thoughts and views into it. Um, it is the Bible transcribed by a single pastor. That is not a translation. Translations are put together by looking at many ancient copies and having many uh, dozens of people on committees that are um, checking and making sure that they're staying to the, the meaning of what God has or to the words that are there. No, this is not a translation whatsoever. Um, it's a slanted version of the Bible. I mean, there's nicer ways to say it, but that's what it is. It's a slanted version of the Bible that the author wrote what he thought the Bible should say in modern English. I mean, I am not putting words um, together haphazardly here. This is what he actually wrote in an article I was reading that he thought um, he would put this together, what he thought the Bible should say in modern English to keep the attention of people. That was his purpose, and he's very public about that. Now, the purpose, like I say, he wanted to make a Bible the common people would want to read. I mean, let's get to it. If you've been studying King James Version all of your life, um, and you've memorized a lot of stuff, you hear a sermon in King James or something like this, it's, you know, it gets a little like some people would be, uh, I've heard this before. This is different. The author states that he wrote this to, and I'm going to quote here what he actually says, to bring the New Testament to life for two different types of people. Those who hadn't read the Bible because it seemed too distant and irrelevant, and those who had read the Bible so much that it had become old hat, unquote. I mean, there's your purpose. That's what it is. So what did he translate from? Well, this Presbyterian minister, um, Pastor Peterson, he actually examined the Greek and um, the Hebrew himself. He went back and just took a copy of the Greek and the Hebrew, and he just started rewriting it into a more modern and easier-to-read language. And in this, he put in slang and stuff. And his purpose was these, these letters and stuff, particularly like the New Testament, and, and things, they were written in letter form, not in 
um, in like a scriptural form. These were letters that were written. So he thought, I'm going to write this like a novel. And it reads like a novel. Um, that's That was his purpose of doing it, because that's much more fun to read. People like to read novels. So that's what it was translated from. He just went back to the Greek and just translated. He read the Greek and, okay, what do I think God's saying here? Really low language, very easy to understand. Let's put some lang, uh, slang in this. Let's make this really interesting, make it sound fun. That's what he did. So unique features. Now, because, as I stated, the original manuscripts um, didn't have verses. Matter of fact, even copies didn't have verse numbers. I should say not verses, but verse numbers. They didn't have verse numbers until centuries later. That was added to help navigate through the Bible. That's why they put these things in here, chapters and verse numbers. No, the originals had nothing like that. For centuries, there were no, no things like that. So he thought, let's go back and let's write it that way, because he thought that maybe having a number system in here made it more complicated and less flowing. It's definitely not written like a novel that way, so he got rid of them. Second point. He wrote things in paragraphs. The original manuscripts were written in paragraphs. So he thought, well, I'm going to write it like a novel and put paragraphs in it too. But he did put topic headings um, that does help to navigate somewhat um, just by having a topic heading. Otherwise, it's really hard to find certain sections that you're trying to study. So at the beginning of each paragraph, he generally puts a topic heading to it. A third point that's really unique. It's written in a very, very modern English with a lot of slang. Uh, and he did this purposefully to make it more interesting. That was his purpose. He, he's very clear about this. Uh, a fourth point. Many of Peterson's expositions and his personal doctrines are quite readable and very, very clear as you read this. You get to know what this guy believes. Um, you, I mean, he's taking some liberties with the Word of God to tell you what he believes God is saying here. So, and that brings us to a fifth unique feature, that some passages are definitely misleading. Um, he's trying not to offend certain groups of people. Um, some passages, such as 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and, and 10, where Paul is denouncing sins, certain sins as being detestable to God, and he's talking about sexual sins and homosexuality and stuff, and, and, and other things like this. Well, Peterson, in his description, um, changes that and sort of focuses not on those words. Um, and so he alters somewhat of what God states in his word. Um, he doesn't want to offend people. And that's, he, he does this on many occasions in, this, uh, in his, his uh, version. So that is something that is unique. It's also a problem. And another problem is that you... He has placed his own personal feelings and beliefs right in the text. I mean, it, it, it's in there. Um, it's, this leads to way too much interpretation and not enough translation. There's your problem. But he never claimed for this to be, well, I'll take that back. He did, uh, has written, and I've heard him talk once, that he did refer to this as being a translation because he had some of the elders at his church read it. Thus, he says it qualifies as a translation. I think he has retracted that now. But um, it, it's not a translation. No, no, no. It's, it's an interpretation. It's personal interpretation of what the Bible, um, he thinks, says. So it's, he also did this, and this is important. He, he stated, this is not intended to replace a good translation Bible. No. He says, this is not a study 
or primary use Bible. It's something to be brought alongside for help in understanding. Though, I do know many people who, um, and many pastors and Bible teachers that teach directly out of this. I know um, some missionaries that this is their primary study Bible. This is the only thing they study. And that can be very dangerous. That should, that should not be the way we do things because you're taking the Word of God and just listening to one pastor's interpretation, what he says in his doctrine, what he says and thinks God is saying or what God should be saying at times. He does that too. Now, as we've been looking through these different translations, we've gone to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, and um, because this is a very important um, uh, part of Bible doctrine, Christianity. So let's read this out of the message. And it begins and reads as thus. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. Now, you're going to notice right away, there's not a whole lot of doctrinal difference from what we've seen in other translations with this. As I say, there are parts of this version of the message that are quite good, but also there are parts that he has really distorted uh, what Scripture says. The, the main emphasis I want to put out here is this is not a translation. It is a free paraphrase one person's total interpretation and doctrine of, of the Word of God. Um, in other words, it is the Word of God according to Eugene Peterson. That's what the message is. Um, just succinctly, that's what it is. Some of his comments are fine. Some of them are acceptable. But others are definitely not even biblical, or they can be contrary to what is written in formal translations. Uh, in other words, on occasion, Peterson, he does, I hate to say it, but he does, he distorts the Word of God. He does. The main problem is, as you read this, is how do you know when he's doing this and when he's not? There's your problem because there's no footnote saying, okay, I'm taking a lot of personal liberty with this. You don't get that in here. Now, because of this, because of the distortions of Scripture and things, many denominations, many pastors, many, many people in general, Bible teachers, etc., they have denounced this parable as evil. Personally, I think that's a little strong. Um, it's because it's not meant to be a primary translation. It was written to be a supplemental source to use alongside a good translation. Um, if kept if that is kept in your mindset, it can be useful. But I know many people who do not use it that way, that they use it as their primary study Bible, that they memorize these passages and quote them to others right out of the message. That can be very, very dangerous because you might be quoting something that is totally contrary to what God said. So it can be useful at times, but it has great weaknesses. It is very popular. Just this past Christmas, 
Um, just before Christmas, then the shopping season was going on after Thanksgiving, I went to a Christian bookstore with my family, and it was so crowded in there. And I walked over where I usually go. I go to the apologetics section, and I usually end up over in the Bible translations. And as I was standing there, there was a young couple that came up and were looking around, and they're trying to find some Bible. I didn't know what it was. I'm just standing there. Um, yeah, I was eavesdropping. And they were, just kept saying, we can't find it, can't find it. And finally, one of them says, I'm going to go get a clerk. Um, so the store clerk came over, and they said, um, we're trying to find this. And they just said, oh, we're so busy. I really can't help you. But you are in the right place. If we have a copy, it's going to be in here. I have to get back to the counter because they were swamped. And so at this point, I thought, well, maybe I can help. So I said, pardon me, um, didn't mean to eavesdrop that much, but I, was, um, I teach college classes on Bible translations. I said, is there something I can help you with? And they said, oh, no, no, we're just trying to find a copy of the message. And I said, oh, the message. And they said, yeah, we want to get a copy. Um, we're sort of new to all of this uh, translation stuff, and we want to get a copy of the message because um, in the Bible group that we're, um, that we're involved with, um, they've uh, started using this. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I started to educate them a little bit on this, that, you know, the message is not a translation. It's a free paraphrase. It's the Bible according to, to Eugene Peterson. It's, it's his take. And so sometimes he distorts and, um, some scripture, but I said in other times it's, he explains it very well. But I said, it's, you really shouldn't use this as your primary Bible. And I said, oh, no, no, we, we do have an NIV. We want to use this alongside. I said, okay, that's a proper way to do it. And I tried to help them find it in the slot that said on the shelf, you know, message. They were out. And I said, they're obviously out. But um, you'll have to go, you know, I'm sure they can order you one, which um, they did. They went to the counter and had one ordered. But I've also come across, I know a, a missionary, very, <laughs> very good friend of mine, missionary who was um, speaking to a middle school group one time. And... He chose to use the message as his primary text um, to this large group of middle middle school aged children. And because this is written on a fourth grade reading level, he thought, well, they'll easily be able to understand this. And so he taught his entire sermon, his entire lesson based just on the message. Well, what he didn't know is that the, the church that um, <laughs> invited him to speak had their elder board had declared the message uh, an act of Satan, and it was not to be found anywhere in any other congregation. And here <laughs> he is speaking to a whole group of their teens uh, or preteens and stuff like this uh, using just the message. And so um, they really raked him over the coals when it was over. So these kind of things happen. It's not meant to be a primary source. I I will read it once in a while. I have one on my shelf. I read it every now and then when I'm comparing certain things, or I sometimes just want to read, okay, how did Peterson describe this passage? And I'll pull it out and I'll read it. Um, so it, it has a use if you're careful about it. You just have to realize that the message by itself can be dangerous, um, but it can be useful at times also. But you have to understand it's a free paraphrase and sometimes he's got it right with what God is saying. At other times, he's way off base. So that is the message. And I hope you enjoyed this lesson today. This one, um, it's, it's an interesting take. It's a little bit different. And even though it's not a translation, I wanted to throw this in here and help you to see. Because like I say, it is such, such a popular version among many Christians. Um, I just really am 
sad that so many use this as their primary Bible. I, I know people that this is what they get up every morning and they study the Word of God and this is what they use. And they only use this. That, that frightens me to a degree. Well, thanks for joining us. And until we meet again, take care. May God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.